Hey, and welcome to this podcast by Chestnut Mountain Church, located in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where our mission is to saturate the world by making disciples. We invite you to check out our website at chestnutmountain.org and follow us on social on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at chestnutmtn underscore to learn more about who we are. There are also video episodes located on our YouTube channel, along with other content not on this podcast. This episode features a sermon replay from Sunday's message. Let's take a listen. Leading them the direction that God had instructed him to lead them. And and so we know that Joshua's heart is he wants the children of Israel to succeed. He wants them to accomplish what God has promised to them. And so he's coming alongside them in this journey. And, and so Joshua's heart is the same as a father's heart. He, he wanted these children to be successful. He wanted them to be able to follow through with, with the instruction that they had been given. And the thing I love about Joshua, he, he doesn't only coach them, but he sort of gives them the how-to's. He gives them the instruction manual to go along with it. He doesn't just say, here's what you gotta do, but he says, here's what you need to do, but also... Here's how you're going to accomplish it. And if you were here last week, you heard the message from Pastor Jared as he talked about putting certain things away. If we're gonna serve God, that there's things in our life that we've gotta put away to make sure that our focus is staying on him. And it was funny, I had a conversation with Jared after church and, and as, he, as he shared about idolatry and he shared about how we can relate to the children of Israel because there's often times that in our lives we will elevate worldly things higher than God. Meaning that we will, when things get tough, when things get difficult, there's things to this world that we first run to other than God. And so when we put those things away, we're committing to, hey, I'm gonna put all of those things away that I normally run to, and I'm just gonna simply turn to God, and I'm gonna trust him through this process. And I got off the phone with him, and I was called Jared, I said, dude, I just said, man, you crushed it today. Great message, thank you so much. Jared, it was such a blessing. And I went, wait a minute. Matter of fact, no, it was not a blessing at all. You punched everybody right in the mouth. And I don't know about you, but I left here last week going, my gosh, there's a lot of things in my life that I turn to before I turn to God. There's a lot of things that I run to when things get difficult. And he, he painted the scenario of a lot of those things. A lot of us run to sports. Some of us run to self-image. Some of us run to money. Some of us run to, to our reputation. And I wish I had that little cheesy dinosaur so I could go, rawr. If you were here, you know exactly what I'm talking about. When he pulled that thing, I was like, what is he doing with this dinosaur? But a lot of times when things get hard, the first thing we run to is fear. And so when we commit to follow God, when these children of Israel are saying, hey, I'm gonna serve God, but I've gotta make a commitment that I'm gonna put all that away. And so as Joshua has challenged the children of Israel with that concept, we see what they said in Joshua chapter 24, verse 24. They make that commitment known. It says, the people said to Joshua, we will serve the Lord, our God, and we will obey his voice. And as you heard last week, this is the third time that they've made this this bold of a statement. Hey, we're all in. That's pretty much what the children of Israel are saying. Joshua, we get it. We're all in. We're gonna do whatever it takes to serve God. We're all in. 
And so what we're gonna read today in the next four verses is that Joshua hears them saying they're all in, but he also knows what the tendencies of the children of Israel is about. Because what he's watched is through their journey, through their difficult seasons, when God wasn't performing the way that they wanted God to perform, they quickly turned back to the little g-gods. They, they, they quickly turned back to, to idol worship. They quickly turned back to the things that make them comfortable. You know, I think that's something, again, that we can all relate to. When things get difficult, where do we turn? Do we turn to the things of the world? Do we turn to the one and only one that can give us the, the ability to fight, the ability to keep moving forward with what God has called us to do? So let's look at Joshua's response. He said, okay, children of Israel, I hear you. You're saying you're all in, but. So Joshua makes a covenant with the people that day. And he made for them a statute and the ordinances in Shechem. And Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law. And he took a large stone and he set it there under the oak that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. In verse 27, Joshua said to all the people, behold, this stone shall be a witness against us. For it has heard all the words of the Lord, which he spoke to us. Thus, it shall be for a witness against you, so that you do not deny your God. Verse 28, then Joshua dismissed the people, each to his inheritance. You know, as I've said several weeks back, this is the most inspiring thing, is just to hear the heart of Joshua. You're gonna hear next week, he ends up passing away at the ripe old age of 110. But we see what Joshua is doing is he's coaching to the very end. He doesn't stop coaching. He fulfills what God had called him to do. And so in that coaching, he says, hey, here's what I'm doing. I'm gonna put a covenant in place. Just to make you a little familiar, some of us already know what this is, but a covenant is that agreement between two parties. It's that guarantee. It's that promise. It's that commitment. If you're in the house and you're married, you made a covenant with your spouse the day before a bunch of friends and family that you were gonna commit to that other one. You remember as a kid, it was that pinky promise, right? It was that, you know, if it was really, really, really serious, you pulled out the old pinkies and said, look, this is what it's about today, the pinky. And we knew that was as solid as oak, wasn't it? You didn't break a pinky promise. It was a covenant that you were making. But Joshua, the reason that he did this is because he knew what they were capable of. He knew how quickly they could turn and go another direction. And so in this covenant, this covenant was gonna be established, number one, so that they could remember their commitment to God, but it was also setting the stage to where they could hold each other accountable, where they could hold each other responsible for what they had committed to do. And so he was hoping that this covenant would be set in place to motivate them when, on the days that they were ready to uncommit. On the days that they were ready to turn back and run to their old ways. But we see that in that covenant, in that agreement, it says that Joshua instilled some, some statutes and some ordinances. And so here again, Joshua's not only telling them what to do, but he's giving them the how-to. He's saying, look, here's gonna be some things that you can follow. 
Here's gonna be some things that you can hold each other accountable for. This is gonna help you stay committed in serving to God, in serving God. And so in my simple mind, what I like to visualize this covenant as, these statutes, these, these rules, these laws, is this was the, the bumpers. This was the, the gutter guards that would come up in the bowling alley because he knew that the children of Israel were gonna be tempted to get off track that they were gonna be able to sway this way or sway that way. And so Joshua says, look, I'm gonna put this in place so it'll help keep you out of the gutter. So it'll help keep you moving in the right direction. And so we see that they were gonna be able to hold each other accountable based off what had been implemented in this covenant. Now I wanna pause here for just two seconds and we're gonna fast forward in just a little while to the New Testament covenant and I understand that we don't live by following rules and laws and all that anymore. We're saved by the grace of God through faith and faith alone. However, the word of God, when you step foot on this campus, from preschool to our senior adult small group, this is implemented to be our guardrails. And we will not stray from the truth and the teaching of God's word, and I don't care who it offends. This is the truth. And I have been entrusted by God to make sure that the truth is being taught and being implemented. And so if you're coming somewhere to, to hear a pastor's opinion, if you're coming somewhere just to hear the latest, greatest story, you've come to the wrong place. Because we're gonna teach the truth of God's word. Now look, the reality is you say, well, I don't wanna go to church having my toes stepped on. Look, mine gets stepped on all week. So welcome to the family of God. And you're gonna hear more about that in just a minute. But I want you to hold me accountable to that. That's a covenant that I wanna make with you, my family, my church family, is that you're holding my feet to the fire. That you're holding my feet to the fire, making sure that we are constantly teaching and preaching the truth of God's word. And if, if I ever shy away from that, I want you to speak that into me. I want you to come and tell me, no, that's not what the word's about. We don't care about your stories. We don't care about your opinions because the reality is the heartbreaking part is there's a lot of pulpits across this morning, across this country that are full of a bunch of man's opinion. And can I tell you, man's opinion never saved anyone. We're gonna stick to the truth, the teaching of what is in this book. But along with a covenant, look, I've just made that covenant with you and there's a whole lot of witnesses to hear it, right? And so that's what Joshua alludes to next. As he says, hey, we're making this covenant, but there must be a witness to hear and see what's in this agreement. And I know in verse 26, you and I may look at that and think, well, that's a little odd that that's the witness is a rock, because we hear that in verse 26, about halfway through verse 26, he says that. He says he took a large stone and he set it up there under the oak that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said to all the people, behold, this stone shall be for a witness against us. Now to you and I, that may seem strange, but you can look all throughout the Old Testament and there's many different places where rocks were put into place as a witness. And a lot of times these rocks were placed as a witness for that, that unforgettable event 
of where God moved, or in this case, it was placed there in honor of a sacred decision that had been made. A sacred decision that the children of Israel were making. And as we talked several weeks back, we found it interesting that Joshua called all of the children of Israel together at a place called Shechem. And there was a lot of importance behind the location of where Joshua addressed them is because they would enter into this place called Shechem and they would automatically recognize that this is holy ground. We know that God's moved here, that God's done a lot of work here. And so it's, it's no accident that they're gonna place this stone at what was already a holy place. That they could visit this place called Shechem and be reminded of what God had done. And, and I challenged you, I challenged many of you to go back to your Shechem. Go back to that place where you remember God doing a, a, an absolutely marvelous work in your life, maybe in your home and in your family. And I encourage you to go back to that place where, where you've experienced God, where you have felt the hand of God in your life and and we do things different around here. And I, and I shared the lyrics of a country song to kind of paint the picture. And that country song is, is that one that is entitled, Where I Find God. Because every one of us have different places where we've encountered God. And for probably the large majority of us, the first time you encountered God was not in church. Maybe it was from a bar stool to that Evan Rood. Maybe it was a Sunday morning in a church pew or in a deer stand, praise God, or a hayfield or an interstate back to Nashville, a Chevrolet with the windows down, maybe a Ford, I guess. Me and him just riding around, sometimes whether I'm looking for him or not, that's where I find God. And so I encouraged you to go back to that Shechem. I had a gentleman come up to me in the lobby just a minute ago. And he says, uh, I'm probably like the only guy that you don't want to go back to your Shechem, my Shechem. I said, why is that? And he goes, it was prison. <laughs> well, yeah, let's don't go there, all right? Just think about it. You can go there mentally, okay? But don't go there physically because that would be really, really bad. So anyway, I could probably let some of you guess who that was and you would probably hit it out of the park. But you know, in, in thinking about your Shechem, thinking about that time in your life, whether it be a place or whether it be a time that, that you trusted in Jesus' covenant to you, that you trusted in that, that exchange where the Son of God said, I'm exchanging my body and my blood if you'll just simply turn your heart to me and trust me. You know, I remember I went through a season when I was about 18 or 19 years old where for whatever reasons, I'd, I began to doubt my salvation. I began to doubt if, if God could truly love somebody like me because when I was 12 years old, I, I trusted in this new covenant. I committed to follow God. And I believed that what Jesus said was truth, that he was gonna break his body and shed his blood for the forgiveness of my sins. And I believed in all that, but by the time I was 18 or 19 years old, I began to doubt it for some reason. 
But I remember that I was at a, at a youth revival at, at Riverbend Baptist Church where many of you know that's where I trusted Christ as my Lord and Savior. And they had extended the sanctuary. They had added on some, some pews or some rows into the sanctuary. And, and I remember going to somebody that had been a longtime member there. And I said, look, dude, I gotta know. This is a very random question. How many pews have y'all added? And I think he told me the number was four. And so I took my little happy tail and I walked over and I sat in that spot. And I said, God, this is my Shechem. This is where I trusted in this covenant with you. This is where I trusted. This is where I surrendered my heart and my life to you. This is where I said, God, I can't do this anymore. And can I tell you by revisiting that Shechem, a peace that passes all understanding sat on me. And it was almost as if I was set free. I don't believe that I got saved again because I believe that once we're in the hand of God, nothing can be plucking us out. But I believe that there was such an excitement and when I was able to revisit that place where the Spirit of God invited me into this new covenant relationship with him. And so this new covenant is what we teach and preach. While we don't live by the Old Testament covenant, we preach and teach the New Testament covenant and and that's when Jesus is saying, hey, you're now set free from following the rules. You're now set free from the law. You're now set free from that because I came not to abolish all of that, but to fulfill it all. To do what you can't do. You can't follow the rules. You can't be good enough to enter the presence of God, but I can. And you've gotta trust that. You've gotta trust that I'm gonna do this work for you. So I wanna take just a couple of seconds and look at this New Testament covenant that Jesus makes with his disciples. Flip to the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 22. And you'll see the parallels of even the life that Joshua was attempting to live and the life that Jesus is living. We see that all the Old Testament is the foreshadowing of Jesus doing what the men of old could not do. And so we see that Joshua in his last days was, was making this commitment, was, was creating a covenant with the children of Israel. And what we're gonna read about is that's exactly what Jesus shares in Luke chapter 22, verse 19, is the last time he's gonna sit with his disciples. The last time he's gonna carry on a conversation with them. What does he do? He goes out coaching. He goes out doing the very same thing that Joshua was doing. But look with me in verse 19. This is a passage that we often use when we take communion or we wanna remember what God has done. But in chapter 22 of the Gospel of Luke, verse 19, it says, and, we, and he had taken some bread and he had given thanks. He broke it and he gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus is saying, hey, I'm gonna commit my body to be broken so that yours doesn't have to. I'm gonna take your beating. I'm gonna take your punishment. And that's something tonight I'm committing to do on your behalf. Then he goes on to say, and then in the same way, he took the cup after they had eaten, saying, this is the cup which is poured out for you. And it's the new covenant in my blood. He's saying, my blood's gonna be shed to wipe away your sin. 
My blood is gonna be shed to provide the redemption of your sins, to make you whiter than snow. Then we see the heartbreaking part of verse 21. But behold, the hand of the one betraying me is with mine on this table. For indeed, the Son of Man is going as it has been determined, but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And so Jesus is making this covenant commitment to the, to the disciples. He's saying, hey, I, I'm committing to you tonight that I'm gonna offer my body to pay your price. I'm committing to you that I'm gonna follow through to make it possible for you to have a relationship with a holy and a righteous God. And I'm committing to you to do that. My blood's gonna be poured out. I'm committed to die to forgive you of your sins if you'll just simply turn your heart to me. If you'll simply trust in what I'm telling you, if you'll simply trust in what I'm accomplishing. And by this conversation, we hear that that, that new covenant relationship is offered to all. It's offered to everyone. But according to verse 21, Jesus then speaks to one that's at the table that rejects this invitation, that rejects this, this covenant relationship that Jesus is offering to him. You know, and that brings our attention to the fact that in this room, there's two groups of people. There's two groups of people in this room, one group. The Holy Spirit has invited you into that relationship to place your faith and trust in the Son of God. And probably many of you would say, yeah, that's me. I've trusted in his broken body and his shed blood. I've trusted in that for the forgiveness of my sins. Or maybe you're here today and this may be the first time you've heard that Jesus paid a price that you couldn't. And you've never trusted in this new covenant relationship. Or maybe you've heard it your whole life and you said, that's just not for me. That's just not for me. And so the reality is, is that even in this moment, if we were to just sit and think, there's people who have accepted this new covenant relationship with Christ, and there's those who haven't. There's no middle ground. There's no middle ground. You know, and if you're over here and you say, well, Brian, I've never trusted, I've rejected, or I've never heard of this such love, but but if Jesus can do that for me, then I'm willing to trust him. I'm willing to turn from myself. I'm willing to stop running to the things of this world. And Brian, I don't even really know what this looks like, but he just says, if I'll simply turn my heart towards him, he'll do the rest. And so, so Brian, I don't really get it all, but today all I wanna do is just sort of take that step to turn and commit my life to follow Christ. Can I tell you what you will find is Jesus standing with his arms wide open. 
He's not gonna be looking at you saying, well, hey, you gotta fix this first, you gotta fix that first. No, he's gonna say, look at the scars on my hand. The very thing that you're trying to fix is what I died for. And welcome home, my child. And what would it look like today? Maybe in right now where you're sitting, that you have a conversation with God and this becomes your Shechem. This can be that place that you can go back, that either physical place or that time in your life where you trusted in this new covenant relationship with the one who paid the price so that you could have the relationship with God that, that deep down we all desire. But here's the beauty of the New Testament. Here's the beauty of this new covenant. While Joshua explains to Israel the laws and the statutes that, that he's putting in place to keep them from falling in the gutter, as a child of God, hear me when I say this today, Jesus is now saying, that's my job. If you'll trust me, that is now my job. If Jesus has committed to you to forgive you of your sins, to redeem you, to wash you in the blood, please hear me when I say this. His commitment to you is not broken as a result of your sin. His commitment to you is not broken because of the sin in your life. And what I mean by that, if you have trusted in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and you fall flat on your face, you fall right back into temptation, you fall right back into sin, can I tell you, it doesn't change the heart of God. It doesn't change the finished work of what Jesus has done on the cross. Because if we could be perfect, there was no need for his blood to be shed. There was no need for his body to be broken if we could be good enough. And so somebody here today, you need to hear that, that the Holy Spirit of God and the hand of Jesus is what holds us. It's what sustains us. And his grip is ultimately what keeps us out of the gutter. It's what he's done. And I know in your mind, you may be sitting there thinking, well, Brian, I've trusted Jesus. Brian, I can look back on my life and I can, I can remember when I was committed. I can remember when I was following him with all that I was, but for whatever reason, maybe it was a disaster in the home. Maybe it was a disaster at the workplace, but you became just like the children of Israel and you ran back to the things of the world. And because of that, you think, well, there's no way God loves me anymore. Can I tell you this morning, if you're a child of God, you can't fall far enough away to escape the grip of the God of promise. John chapter 10, verses 27 through 29, Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. 
and I give eternal life to them and they will never perish. The one will, there is no one that will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. Can I tell you today, your security is found in the hand of Christ, not in your ability to follow rules. Your security is provided through the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. And so we see here that that's the shift that takes place from the, the Old Testament covenant. And then Jesus offers this New Testament covenant to say, I'm gonna do for you what you can't do for yourself. But in that, I want you to trust me, but I also want you to follow me. And that's exactly what Jared spoke to last week. So the whole principle of putting things away, it still holds true. Because the reality is, is there's a lot of places and there's a lot of, of teachings that you will hear that will say, hey, if you'll just repeat these words, if you will just say these things, if you will just raise your hand, it means that you are saved. While there's an element of truth to that, you have to be very, very careful because it also says that we will deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow him, which means exactly what Joshua was teaching in the Old Testament. If we're gonna follow Christ, we've gotta repent, which means turn away from the things of this world, turn away from the things that were severing our relationship God with, to God to begin with, and we've gotta turn and we've gotta go after him, leaving the old behind. But the problem is, is there's so many places that'll say, if you'll just pray this, if you'll just raise your hand, you're saved, but you can just keep going back to doing what you're doing. That is a lie from the pits of hell. We've got to take up that cross. And look, I know some of you are going, golly, it's just too hard. I ain't dealing with it. I ain't coming back here no more. I love you enough to tell you the truth. Because there's too many people that have heard that there's just some secret recipe as to saying the right words. When in reality, it honestly has nothing to do with the words coming out of your mouth, but it has everything to do with the condition of your heart. When I got saved, I didn't repeat some long prayer. I really didn't know what to pray. So you want to hear the, the extent of my theology as a young man at 12 years old? God saved me. That was it. The Holy Spirit said the rest for me. The Holy Spirit was interceding on my behalf. But in that moment, that covenant relationship with, with Jesus was Sign, sealed, delivered. Do I still struggle with things? Absolutely. But I can tell you that even in my heart of hearts, there's that desire to follow Jesus because I know he's the one who saved me. He did for me what I couldn't do for myself. 
And so while we talk about the differences in the Old and the, the New Testament covenant, I also want us to make sure that we, we take note of some things that I still feel that, that we need to implement even today as a, as a family of God because what we realize is that when we step into this, this New Testament covenant with Christ, yes, we're stepping in a relationship with him, but we're also stepping into a relationship with a new family. Look at what it says in verse 27. Joshua said to all the people, behold, this stone shall be for a witness against us. For it has heard all the words of the Lord, which he spoke to us. Thus it shall be for a witness against you, so that you do not deny your God. Now he makes two references there to the individual commitment to follow God. And so for all of you in this room, you have to understand it starts with your commitment and your commitment alone to trust in the finished work of Christ. It's a decision that you have to make, that you have to say, yes, I'm all in. I'm gonna surrender my life to Christ. I believe he's the only one that forgive, can forgive me of my sins. But what you have to understand, it's your decision. It's about you and him. There's not a relationship that your grandparents have with him that is good enough for you. There's not a relationship that your mom or dad has with him that's good enough for you. There's not a relationship that I can have that's good enough for you. It's something that you have to choose to do. You've gotta be ready to take up that cross and follow him. But when you make that individual commitment, you're also married into a family, the family of God. And this is the part that we don't like to talk about because it makes things really uncomfortable. As a family, guess what we're called by God to do? Hold each other accountable. Now look, I know that is not popular because our culture teaches us it's your life, it's your choice, do what you wanna do. If you're a part of the family of God, that is completely contrary to what the word of God teaches. You're not yours anymore. You were bought with a price. And now our responsibility is to hold each other accountable. How do you respond when somebody calls you out in your sin? Let me tell you how you respond. What do you say? You're so judgmental. Don't you? That's what everybody in here says, right? Don't judge me. Who do you think you are to call me out? Have you seen what you do? Right? Because that's what our culture teaches. We can't, heaven forbid, we offend somebody. Can I tell you that the word of God is offensive to the world? And when you're living in sin, a holy and a righteous word of God is going to offend the worldly things in your life. But what we've got to get back to do is the family of God, instead of looking at each other saying, hey, stop judging me, and look at them and say, you know what? Thank you for loving me. Thank you for loving me. So not only does the Holy Spirit of God, the, the hand of Jesus hold us from the gutter, but now we're also insulated with family members that keep us on track, that keep us in the lane, that keep us moving in the direction that God has called us to move. And the reality is, is can I tell you that I need accountability probably more than anybody in the room? 
Me and my wife meet with two couples once a month and we have some really, really awkward conversations. They will ask questions about our marriage and my flesh won't go, that ain't none of your business. Why are y'all laughing? <laughs> y'all know what I'm talking about. Anyway. But I'm thankful that I have people around me that'll ask me the hard questions. I have a group of elders that are around me. They hold me accountable to this. They hold me accountable to the vision that God has placed on our heart for this place. Are we still doing? They hold my feet to the fire. I've got a staff around us that we work together, that, that we hold each other accountable. I can't help but to get the visual of, of right off the hills of a national championship. You get the visual of Kirby Smart, right? Have y'all ever seen the guy that tags along behind him? He's got one responsibility, and it's the holding by the belt. Right? They ain't no telling how many millions that dude's getting paid to do that. I'm like, I'd sign me up. <laughs> but the reality is, is that's what we as followers of Christ need. We need somebody that's gonna walk alongside us and hold us by the belt because there's gonna be days that our flesh wanna go back to our old ways, that our flesh is gonna wanna go back to our sin. And I need that brother or sister in Christ that's gonna be, uh-uh, get back. Get back. Get back. But you know what? There's an intimacy in that relationship with that person who's holding that belt that they know what you're capable of. They know what your weakness is. And when they see you straying towards that weakness, they take note and they grab and they say, uh-uh, not today. Not today. As a follower of Christ, we all need that. And if you're anything like me, it takes a lot more than one person. It takes a lot more than one person. Because the truth is, is church, I can't afford to be in the gutter. With the responsibility that God has given us, I've gotta make sure that I am insulated with men and women who are gonna hold me by the belt. Moms and dads, your kids can't afford you to be in the gutter. Moms and dads, you need other moms or dads around you who are gonna hold you by the belt loop and say, not today. Because the truth is, is moms and dads, you're, you end up in the gutter. Guess who's following you? Your child. Good, bad, or indifferent, you're their hero. You're their hero. Maybe you've got coworkers that God has entrusted you with. Those coworkers are looking to you, maybe to be the only gospel that they ever see or hear. They can't afford you to be in the gutter. Maybe you're on a ball team. Maybe you play sports in your school. Those teammates who are watching you, they can't afford you to be in the gutter. 
because you may be the only gospel they ever see or hear. So you need to find that person that's gonna grab you by the belt loop and say, I'm not today. You got a family who can't afford you to be in the gutter. And so what we take away from this is Joshua's holding the children of Israel together to hold each other accountable. And what we as the church have got to do, the reason that I believe in church family is because we need each other. We need each other to hold us accountable to the commitment that we've made to Jesus. He's committed to us. So therefore, we should be committed to him. Not to earn his love, but in response because we get it. We understand it. You know, you may be here this morning and you say, Brian, I've never made this commitment. I've never made a commitment to follow Jesus. Maybe you fall in the category of you didn't think that there was a God who could love you. I'm here to tell you this morning that that he died for, for you. He loves you. And so in just a moment, my prayer has been this entire week that, that today would be somebody's day of salvation. Somebody would say, hey, I'm tired. I'm tired of trying to make this thing work on my own. I'm tired of running to the things of this world. I'm, I'm tired of running to popularity. I'm tired of running to drugs. I'm tired of running to alcohol. I'm, I'm tired of running to relationships to fix this void. And today I want to stop in my tracks and I just simply want to turn my heart to the one that this little guy upstairs on the stage is telling me loves me. And just say, God, I don't understand it, but I'm, I'm going to trust you today. Or maybe you're here this morning and, and you can go back to that Shechem. You can go back to that place or that time and, and you can remember in that moment when you trusted Jesus, when you agreed to this new covenant of what he had done for you and you committed to follow him. But maybe you've never made that public. Maybe you've never made that known. It just so happens next Sunday we're having baptisms. And you say, well, Brian, does that baptism save me? Absolutely no, it doesn't. The same as if I take my wedding ring off, it doesn't mean I'm not married. Well, what baptism does is it announces and proclaims to the world that you're trusting, that you're agreeing to this New Testament covenant that we teach and preach about Jesus Christ. That we believe in his death, burial, and his resurrection for the forgiveness of our sin. And while we announce that, while it publicizes that, what it also does is it lets the church family know, hey, I need y'all's help. I need a family around me that can hold me accountable. I need a family around me who, 
who when I isolate myself, who when I disappear from church, they're gonna call me back in. They're gonna call me and say, hey, I miss you. Hey, I don't know where you're at. Hey, how are you doing? We're inviting people to do that in our lives. And so maybe you need to, to make that commitment to make it known today. When we give the invitation, I'm gonna ask that you, you take a card, you fill it out, give it to me, one of the pastors, or, or place it on one of the benches down here, down front, and we'll follow up with you for, for baptism next week. Because at the end of the day, what we try to cultivate here is that we're just a group of people that all have our struggles, that all have our differences. And we're just trying to follow Jesus together. I said to a room full of women two weeks ago, from the parking lot to the pulpit, we're all sinners saved by grace, trying to follow Jesus and bring as many people with us as we can. That's our mission. That's our heart. And maybe you just simply need to hear today that you're loved. If somebody extended an invitation to you to be with us in worship this morning, it's because they love you. But I would never want to elevate worldly love over a heavenly love. And what I mean by that is they extended an invitation to you because the name that is above all names placed your name on their heart. You see, four to five weeks ago, we asked the people of Chestnut Mountain to pray. God, who would you have us invite? Who would you have us join us in worship this morning? And if you were extended invitation, it's because creator God placed your name on somebody's heart. That's pretty humbling that the God of creation would inscribe your name on someone's heart for them to invite. So yes, while you're loved by the people of this room, more importantly, you're loved by the one Father who will never fail you. And so this morning, I don't know what your response needs to look like. If you've never trusted in this covenant that Jesus Christ is wanting to make with you, I invite you today. The Holy Spirit's drawing you to himself today. Turn from the old ways and just Turn your heart to him. Turn your heart to him. Or maybe today you need to follow through and make it public. Respond in that way. Or maybe today somebody invited you. Hug their neck. Tell them thank you. Or if you really want to make it uncomfortable, Maybe you need to share a struggle with someone and say, hey, I need you to hold me accountable. I need you to ask me about this tomorrow. I need you to ask me about this next week. 
but I want you to be obedient with whatever the Spirit of God is teaching you and leading you to do this morning. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you made a decision or if you have any questions about salvation or anything about this Christian journey, one of our pastors would love to connect with you. So to connect and find out what your next steps are, go to our website at chestnutmountain.org slash next steps, and there will be a form for you to fill out so one of our pastors can connect with you. We also want you to do three things right now. Number one, leave a review on this podcast. Tell us what you think. And also, a review allows us to reach even more people. Number two, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already so you don't miss an episode during the week. And number three, we want you to go check out our Chestnut Mountain Church YouTube channel. So maybe there's some visuals in this episode that you couldn't see but wanted to see. And that's why we have video versions of these episodes along with other content not featured on this podcast right now on our YouTube channel. Lastly, we invite you to join us live for worship on Sunday mornings in person at 9 o'clock or 1045 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or online at 1045 as well. Learn more about us on our website at chestnutmountain.org and don't forget to follow us on social at chestnutmtn underscore for more encouragement and to see all what God is doing in and through CMC. We love you, we're praying for you, and we'll see you next time.